strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another edition of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today, we will be highlighting, you have to sacrifice a lot to be great. So basically, sacrifices are required for greatness. That's what we titled this one. We will be diving into Jim Cramer's uh, Confession of a Wall Street Addict, which, Corey, I thought was a phenomenal book, personally. Uh, pumped to hear your thoughts on that. And we asked, we are having the founder of Coconut Cloud and Tumbleia. Uh, Carrie Carlson is going to be joining us later on. So her mission statement is replacing dairy with creamy coconut. From somebody that can't really eat dairy, I'm pumped to hear what she's all about because I've been fighting the, you know, my issues with milk and cheese for so long, even though I love it. I can't wait to hear how she's been going about replacing dairy with coconut, uh, creamy coconut. So that'll be fun. But without further ado, like always, we've got to get rocking being food related at all and all with our Sunday night food comas last night. Corey, let's start with you. What was on the uh, menu? Uh, so given that yesterday was actually Monday and it was Memorial Day, I was uh, I just had a classic meatballs, spaghetti and meatballs. It was a standard night. Uh, my girlfriend actually went back to Denver for a few weeks to go visit her family. So I was bored and I just wanted to cook something for myself. So I just made meatballs, made some pasta, uh, I ate some cereal late night. That was pretty much it though. What uh, how about for tonight? Uh, tonight I got, I got a, I went grocery shopping yesterday, so I don't know what I'm going to cook, but I got a lot of protein, got some vegetables, probably something a little bit leaner. Um, but I don't know. We shall see. Mm, there we go. I mean, yeah, now I guess you got to do your own cooking since Sarah, then for yourself a little here, Corey. Yeah, probably a lot more ordering delivery than that anything. But <laughs> how about you, Dan? So I, I'm going to pretense this with dad kind of told me that if we, and I know he's probably said the same thing to you, but he personally doesn't love this, this food segment part of our podcast. And I'm curious if our listeners can give us feedback on what they think, but he basically was like, listen, if you're going to do that, you better start eating something interesting for your, for your segment. So you could like oh, talk about it. Well, I'm slowly dabbling. He was like, you're living in the South now. He's like, you got to come to these podcasts with something that's a little unique. So yesterday I did shrimp and grits and some fried chicken. And the shrimp and grits part is me kind of starting to dabble because obviously when you're in the South, they're known for their grits. And I never, I, the first time I had grits was when I was in North Carolina with my buddy Wilbur a couple of years ago and I loved it. And now I'm starting to, starting to dabble with grits more. It's kind of like a, you know, different form of mashed potato. I like shrimp and grits. man's breakfast potatoes. Like when you really think about it, even though some people yeah. say a poor man's, I think it's a way better version. Way better. Yeah. It's like night and day. I think it's like, honestly, the, some of the best tasting stuff ever grits. Like I, I, I love it now. There's this place out here that does like gourmet, all these different flavor grits where you go and you can get like blueberry grits, 
peach grits, like normal grits, and they'll bring them out and you'll have like almost, uh, what do you call it when you like go to a brewery and there's the different beers that they bring you and uh, they're the, like the kind fl- of small. The, f- the, the flights. flights. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? I've only had grits one time and I was actually in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach and it is really good. Just something that, you know, I don't see up here in the East Coast, unfortunately, or in, yes. uh, in the New York. Yeah, so like one of the staple food items down here is shrimp and grits. It's probably on every single menu here. So I've been going hard on grits, and last night did shrimp and grits. Felt great about it, Mike. And what are you doing tonight, Dan? Tonight, maybe I'll do some fried catfish. Right. Well, wow. I mean, that's that was a joke for you. Throw anything that was in the fryer. That was honestly <laughs> a joke. I would never eat fried catfish. That just sounds disgusting to me. I heard but. I mean, maybe I'll have to try it. There's a there's a lot of that down here too, so we'll see. I went last night with. Let me think about this. I actually had cereal myself, Corey, late night. I had I think three bowls of cornflakes, which was phenomenal. I also got. I ordered some um, these skinny cow ice cream sandwiches. Oh, that, I have those too. I had these ridiculous. They're yeah, they're know, great. Not too much sugar, not too much fat, like 160 calories. I went to town on two of those. Uh, that was late night. What did I eat for dinner? Oh, I did a eel rice bowl and some udon noodles as a mix-up. I also had more dumplings. And uh, I went with a egg sandwich and pancakes as well. It's so, a dominant meal. It's a feast. I had a Sunday night food coma. Like I actually fell asleep like very quickly after I ate. So I was very satisfied there. I, uh, again, back to the intermittent fasting, trying to get back into my fighting shape from this pandemic. I, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. It's definitely going to be, I'm definitely, I'm at the point where, you know, Paul's been very generous letting me anchor out of his apartment. I'm, I'm going to switch it up in the next couple of days. And I'm really trying to find a, a legit kitchen, like with a lot of light, a patio, I might, I don't know if I'm going to get into cooking, but I am going to do a grocery run and see if I could whip something up. So for all our listeners out there, if you have a kitchen and a patio in New York and you want a roommate, Mike is shopping. I don't know if If you want to move out and if you want to go camping for a little and kind of just if you need to take your apartment when you're running off to the West coast, when things are opening back up, finally, let me know. Uh, I'm all ears. I think I finally did found find a spot, guys. There's a great spot in the West Village for 2,400 a month. Really big place. Probably normally double the price. This woman's leaving for the summer to go west, and clearly is in need of just getting someone to take it over. So yeah, definitely find some affordable spots. Everyone's fleeing New York, and yeah, rates are going down. Corey, it's weird because now it seems like even today walking around, things are about to start opening back up, and I'm pumped. I feel like it's yeah. Been- summer here i think usually the summer is usually i mean it's dead for new york anyway because everyone goes to the hamptons and the shore so it's always a little bit quieter and now with this everyone's just like fleeing in general but yeah i mean honestly i've been enjoying new york it's been way more quiet and i you know there's no tourists i kind of like it me too i know our parents have always said how overcrowded it's gotten the last few years as well this was a bit of a reset button so exactly if anything, we'll have some room to breathe for a while, and then we'll be complaining again when you can't walk a foot without nudging someone next year. But that'll be a good problem. Exactly. 
Um, and yeah, guys, obviously we have a guest coming on a bit later, but before we even dive in, I know we all love this book. Let's go over, Dan, the current events. I know we got it. We didn't really dive into Caller Daddy last week. Do you want to go get going with that? Yeah, it was something that I had down on the news thing last week, but we didn't get to cover all the points because we had the interview, but I figured we'd all love to talk about it. We're all Barstool sports fans, most people that most people out there are. So the caller daddy scandal has been taken over the internet. I'm sure you guys have seen it. I actually have listened to a lot of the episodes of that podcast before that even happened. And I, it wasn't like... I wasn't a regular of the podcast, but in saying that since this pandemic started, I kind of stopped listening to podcasts in general just because I was out of my normal routine. So anyway, what, what basically happens from my take is these girls were starting to get very successful with Caller Daddy and behind the scenes, they were hearing from several different people that they were underpaid. So they went to renegotiate their contracts and it sounded like Barstool was pretty down to renegotiate the contracts. And it sounded like they offered them, and this is just my opinion from the, how I've pieced it together. They basically offered them the moon. They threw everything at them that they wanted and they still tried to walk away from the deal. And it seems like from the back and forth and obviously Dave Portnoy, who is the guy who started Barstool is all over the internet. The guy tells it how it is and everyone kind of knows who he is. He does these press conferences by himself where he'll just say exactly what's going on. So his take on it was essentially that this girl's boyfriend tried shopping the podcast behind their back while they had a three-year deal and the whole blew up. And now one of the girls, Alex, who started the podcast really is coming back by herself and the other girl who she kind of brought under her wing got kicked to the curb because her boyfriend's this guy who works for HBO who was trying to shop the deal. You know, obviously you can't shop a deal when there's a three-year contract. It would, to make a sports comparison, it'd be like trying to trade a player who's literally under contract who just can't be traded. So it's been all over the internet and it's just been honestly so entertaining. Even our dad's been like kind of following it because he's been following Portnoy because of the trading stuff. <laughs> but yeah, what, what are your guys' thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, um, obviously the, so one of the girls, Sophia, it was her boyfriend works for HBO and that was kind of the whole thing. This guy was trying to get them a better deal. But the main thing was that they didn't own the call her daddy. Like, uh, I forgot what you call it, but they, they didn't pay. Yeah. The IP for the brand name. So Barstool was basically offering them like 12 months contract left of the deal with like, I think they made 500,000 each last year. So they were making good money. And now he offered them, I think, like a mil each or something, or a mil to split evenly. And then they get the IP after the 12-month contract is up. Um, and it, it was just an insane deal. And it's clear that the one girl, Sophia, just doesn't want to do the podcast anymore. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's a great deal. Dave is just getting more page views and turning it into gold. And yeah, it's been fun to watch. I'm with you. I think it's a home run for Barstool. I don't see how this is anything but a win for them. Any press that company gets yeah, exactly. 
it's just building up recognition, getting more people gambling, following these guys. Like I don't see they probably loved even when this started. I'm sure Portnoy yeah. subconsciously was like, "Oh, phenomenal! This is going to be a marketing wet dream." Yeah, well, to I an think extent, they, they were they were apparently losing a hundred thousand dollars per episode because there was like a month and a half period where they just stopped coming to work and there were no episodes being recorded. So, from the sounds of it, he was like kind of losing his shit about the whole thing because they were losing a ton of money on it. And yeah, Corey, what were you going to say? Um, no, see, I, I was going to say that. Um, I actually forgot, but it's just, it's crazy to me. There is nowhere like they were in, they're binded into a contract and they couldn't like, they, I don't understand what they were trying to get out of it. Like there is literally nothing they could do if they went and shopped around, which they did. And they actually took one of those deals. They were just going to get sued like crazy. They were literally binded into a contract. So it just made no sense to me. Like just literally finish off the contract, take the IP and then go do whatever you want. Yeah. I, I think the uh, make a name for himself, this big time lawyer with HBO. I think he was having his own agenda with this, trying to be a celebrity. Like that's all when you really boil all this down. I don't see any other angle here at all that makes any yeah. sense. Well, yeah, and that's where I, I think he was 100% behind it and also to the point where, unfortunately, he probably completely ruined his girlfriend's chances of being a part of this anymore. And who knows how this all pans out for her because at the end of the day, like this was her big thing and she's not going to be a part of it anymore. And I think he thought that you know he was going to be able to get some money off of brokering a deal that he was just not in the right to broker. But then it's crazy. Like... Uh, only that guy, that guy being Portnoy, could literally call people out by their first and last name on the internet, like constantly, and then have your whole entire following of millions and millions of people making memes and videos. I mean, this dude, it's so funny. and I'm not, I'm not gonna say his name because I don't know the legalities behind it all. Actually, fuck it, I don't care. That Peter Nelson guy, he's not gonna sue me. He's going after Portnoy. He has been <laughs> blasted. <laughs> This is what that guy wanted. His name, no one ever would have heard of him before. He well, wanted. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he's. Pre I'm pretty sure he's like really high up at HBO. I don't think he needed like this, you know, Dan, painted image. High up in HBO. Have you ever heard of the guy before this? No, but like that's a guy that is behind the scenes, high up. Like who needs to behind hear the that? He wanted to be in front of the scenes. That that's all this is is a power trip. The guy wanted Portnoy to pay him a little attention. He got his wish. And now he screwed his girlfriend's future up. And then apparently, what he Go didn't ahead, realize is that what he didn't realize is that Barstool can take anything and they could replace Sophia, the, the girl Peter Nelson's girlfriend, put in another girl, and that show would be gold. And that's what I was going to say before. It's like it, they could easily just substitute that girl and have a hit show again. Like she was nothing to the show. The other girl was doing all the editing, just off auditioning for the replacement as a hit show in itself. Yeah, so now true. they just have all this buzz. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a home run for Barstool. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, and, and then I saw yesterday, what, what's his, is Scooter Braun, that's uh, Bieber's dude? Yeah, yeah right? it's Bieber's, yeah. Bieber's manager, so apparently, Ariana yeah. Grande. Yeah, apparently Scooter Braun hits up uh, Eric Canardini, like the CEO of Barstool, to basically call on behalf of this Peter Nelson guy and Sophia kind of saying like, Hey, like they really fucked this up. Sophia wants to be a part of the podcast. She wants 50%. 
and then Portnoy does what he does, starts blasting out Scooter Braun, and then Scooter <laughs> Braun hits up Portnoy, and he's like, "Dude, like I don't want any part of this drama." And then, and, and then Portnoy was like, "All right," and then basically tweets out saying, "Like, all right, like I'm not gonna get Scooter Braun involved." But then, you know, these people started making these videos. You know that scene in Kill Bill? This is a video that I kept yeah, seeing. But that video is unbelievable. Yeah, with like the crazy Asian gang where they come with and they have the big knife fight in that restaurant, Mike, that we were actually at and when we were in Tokyo. And yeah. yeah. And she kill and she goes and she kills all these people. And then there's this like really, really scared Asian dude who's like still there, maybe about to try and fight her. And he's just like sitting there and she goes up to him and knows that she he's just like so afraid and like goes like that to his sword, shreds his sword to pieces, and then starts like hitting him on the butt and telling him like, go home to your mom. And Portnoy <laughs> gets this video made where that person has Scooter Braun's face on it. And then Portnoy is like the, uh, the girl from Kill Bill. And like, you know, he tweets it out to all of his followers right after telling Scooter Braun, I'm not going to get you involved in this. <laughs> Don't worry. I love, I love how, how petty Dave Portnoy is. He literally hired a guy just to meme people to death. He pays some guy to just create these memes. And anytime, oh, someone, yeah, anytime someone slanders his name, he just memes them to death. And it's a whole oh, thing. Man. It's it's amazing. Corey, It'd that's amazing. Orgash meme person where it was just mm -hmm. someone like churning out like funny, you know, satirical stuff on them. It's probably a good yeah. idea. I honestly thought those were just like his loyal followers that were that loyal that they took the time to edit these videos hoping for a retweet. I honestly thought that. I was like, damn, yeah. this guy has such an insane following that people like watch him all day and then they want to make these videos hoping that like he'll tweet them out. And that definitely happens too. But yeah, this guy, it's he's like a 50-year-old guy and he literally just like – he tweets at him to send in the zoom the send it in and he just memes them to death. But yeah, it's some 50 year old guy just sitting on his ass. <laughs> it's insane. All right. So moving on to the next thing. Did you guys get a chance to watch the, the match this weekend? I honestly didn't even see a second of it. Yeah. Same uh, here. I would have uh, bet on Tiger Woods though. I figure when he's golfing, you can't bet him in any type of celebrity match. Yeah, well, not to we like not to dwell on the topic because you guys didn't even watch it, but just to give the rundown of what happened for those who didn't pay attention, it was basically Tiger and Peyton Manning versus Phil and uh, Tom Brady, and Tom Brady stunk, <laughs> and but then he turned it around and it was really funny actually. And this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. So Charles Barkley, like basically starts talking shit to Brady, like in his earpiece or whatever, just saying, cause Charles Barkley and Justin Thomas were uh, commentating the whole thing together. And as soon as Charles Barkley starts talking shit, Tom Brady drains one from like 160 yards out, like holes it. And then he like says in the earpiece, he like hardly even celebrates. He's just like, suck on that Chuck. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's what he said. He's like, that's suck great. on that, Chuck. Tom Brady was really cool because they were both they were all mic'd up the whole time. So it was essentially watching those four play golf and they were all mic'd up. So you just heard everything that they were saying. Like, yeah, they were talking a little shit, but like, you know, they were more so having fun with each other. You, dude, you would have loved it actually, because of the back and forth. Yeah. And then 
Yeah, so then Brady did that, and then Charles Barkley went on to kind of talk some shit, and then Justin Thomas, literally on TNT on the broadcast, was like, Chuck, I'd love to see your fat ass try and dunk right now. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could tell he was like kind of insulted. He was like, oh, he's like, JT, you can't be saying those things on TNT. But no, he was <laughs> loving it. It was like, it was a big time moment. It was hilarious. So yeah, that that was what went on there. That was pretty cool. Um, so Jack Dorsey, <laughs> this is just ironic because right now, one of the things that's trending on Twitter is Jack Dorsey's getting slammed by tons of people on his own platform. Jack Dorsey's obviously the creator of Twitter <laughs> and it's for him not deleting. Like people want him to like delete Trump's tweets when Trump tweets out things that people don't like. I would even ask that's so insane that someone would get annoyed at the founder of Twitter for not having freedom of speech. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? It's like, hey, you go against democracy for us. Why? No? What the hell? Like, that's yeah. so insane. People suck. It's yeah. That's crazy. It's ludicrous. You gotta the presidency. It's like, that just annoys me. That's my biggest problem with people that aren't Trump supporters, like the real Trump haters. Oh, I don't, you're, you support Trump. I don't want to talk to you. I've never heard of that in history. Where it's like someone is voting for some, get away, even on a dating app. <laughs> no idea. I scroll through how many girls, if you vote Trump, swipe left, swipe left. So you might have just met the duty of your life in me. But if I voted for Trump, I, you would never even have the opportunity to meet me. That is pretty damn closed minded, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> pretty crazy. No, that, that's yeah, a good apparently, point, though. Just no, just with the dating with the dating app. Sorry to interrupt. I, I just never even thought about that. And it is so true. Um, yeah, people are just so closed minded if you did, you know, vote for Trump or vice versa. But it's also, you know what that shows, Corey, in a profile, it's like someone saying, Hey, I'm very close minded. Don't go out with yeah, me. Yeah. Like, I see there. It's like so you're <laughs> talking about yourself here. It's like, okay, moving on. Like I just would yeah. never be able to go on a first date with someone that makes that drawing that kind of line in the sand. Like, I don't know. Yeah, so for any women out there that might have come across me on Tinder, just so you know, like you might want to rethink what you're putting in that profile. I don't know if you uh, if you see those Trump boat parades going on, it makes you kind of want to distance yourself from that crowd in general. I mean, yeah, <laughs> those the things are just Trump supporters for sure. I, that, that's when it's like there's no doubt I, I guess i've always just been someone who sort of looks for controversy where in terms of like if the masses are doing one thing um i'm inclined to kind of question it so like living in colorado it was very easy for me to kind of you know question all the liberals out there and be like no nah, i kind of look at the other side of things as the way that i view things but like being down here <laughs> and then seeing the type of people that like really did put trump in office it makes me kind of like eh, maybe i'm actually like one of those liberals from denver you know I, no i know I, what you mean i mean i think people just like taking the other side and that's why trump's in office in the first place people like confrontation someone back with someone they're naturally going the other way that's what so, about this whole thing and it's happened on another level now and it's gonna so this again <laughs> like that's what is really funny about it that's actually such a good point i thought it was just me that like craved having an argument with somebody but you're right if in 
reality it's like people used to say like the bernie bro culture and those people drew away the opposing party so much to the point where they like wanted to go out and make sure that that guy wasn't in office and it's just like people like ganging up on an opinion and making you feel like an absolute idiot if you don't support them <laughs> that just like naturally makes you want to go the other direction right. jordan was a prime example of how the world is with that where it's like they'll just take a view to get the other side going no matter get riled up. Yeah, even if they don't yeah. believe in it. Yeah, no, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, with that, did you guys see Joe Biden's first public appearance in a couple months where he came out like looking like a men in black character with his all black mask on and his black sunglasses? Yeah, I think they oh. used that eraser from the film where he did he hasn't remembered a thing in his life. <laughs> I, I see where you're going with the men in black thing, Dan. Because I, I'm glad I talk and I'm just like. It's like you that white worst nightmare of you waking up as somebody else. Like remember those goosebump books back in the day where it would like you'd evolve into like a creature, or you know they had these random books like that. And that's how I look at Joe Biden. It's like he woke up one morning and he's just like, "Who am I?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that's definitely been like the popular narrative that's almost taken over. Like when you guys got when you got guys like Joe Rogan that are playing clips on his podcast podcast of joe biden like kind of having these senile moments you're in big big trouble because that guy tries to keep things neutral when it comes to politics and he's been like very very against joe biden just because of the fact that he feels like he's like you know losing his mind and doesn't remember things at one at what point is it not actually politics with that right when you think about it when we were in america and we're looking at an election coming up and one of the candidates is, I hate to say it, but it's like the senior citizen home our grandpa lives in going to just you know, chop it up with one of the guys in there. I'm not even kidding. Like, no, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, for I'm, me. If I'm not uh, saying like, sure, I will be voting for Trump again. I'll be fine to admit that. But the only way I would even think about not voting for Trump is if, the guy or girl going against him had an actual brain that worked, like that had thoughts circulating that they could remember. This is kind of like Reagan's second term for those older listeners that I wasn't around, neither of all of us were, and we weren't born yet. But when Ronald Reagan was in office, there was no doubt a few years in, he had lost his marbles. There was an ongoing joke that they replaced him with Disney World with a robot. That's how <laughs> out to lunch he was. But I tell people, I was talking to Sean about this earlier, it was easier to keep him in office already, even if they knew about it, because it was the status quo. Going with a guy that isn't in office yet that has that going on, I don't see it being possible. Like, I don't actually see how he is voted in office. I yeah. still yeah. have been replaced before he even becomes a nominee. I really do. I kind of agree with you, Mike. I still think there's going to be a third guy who steps in and kind of steals all the hype. Um, it might be Elizabeth. Or, 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 no, or a girl. Yeah. I mean, between the two of them right now, I'm not voting. I think they're just yeah. both like the two we're, most we're, pathetic humans on the on the planet, to be honest. But, like, I, I think that, Trump no. is an absolute just joke of a human being. And I think Biden is also just clearly an egomaniac to even want to be president when it's obvious he's like kind of really. I don't think he knows he's running, so I don't know what he is. <laughs> I, I won't be voting either, but in saying that, that's a vote for Trump. For I'm, sure. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, with Biden being in office, you're going to have a lot of no one's voting. All right, well, there you go. Status quo will continue then.
I yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. Part of me thinks this election more than others in the past. Like, there's gonna be, everyone's gonna vote because everyone's just like kind of pissed off about something right now. I mean, this well, lockdown's well, got everybody on edge. They want everyone. But I'm not voting. I'm not. Yeah, no. I mean, January's a long ways away. A lot of changes between now and then. A lot of people that are like they have such staunch hate or love for one of these guys, and then they don't even show up to vote. That's what's so funny. They just like arguing. That's yeah. What, yeah. That's, so most most people. Yeah, like all these people, you're voting Trump, but meanwhile they're not showing up to vote against Trump. They're not even there. So it's like, who cares, man? You're working yourself up for no reason. I've actually had this random idea that has a lot to do with this for years and years. Do you guys remember Chat Roulette? The uh, yeah, like, for sure. it was the, yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't know, it's pretty much like obviously a it turned at. very yeah, it kind of turned into <laughs> a very sexual thing. But basically, it was just people that would flash on the screen, and you would FaceTime with these people for like five seconds, and then it would go to the next person. I think that people love arguing so much that they should do that exact same concept, but for debating. Where like a topic pops up, you and that person debate, the computer decides who wins, and then you just go right to the next person. People love arguing that much where they would just like to shoot the shit and argue with someone for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever right, it is. Came up the new age debate club model. Yeah, debater's blog or debater club. <laughs> like high school students, that should be their new way of competing for the top spots. Yeah, and I think I think like people would just regularly join in just to debate. I agree. People love arguing. I, you know, they. I think people love their voice being heard, no matter what. So that's yeah. You know, that's why Twitter is so huge. Is people love to argue. Yeah, control. exactly. So now bring this. I think we lost Corey. Wait, what'd you say there? I said yeah, it would be like Twitter, but face to face. Yeah. Uh, I like it. And I mean, the last thing on my news, actually, I'm going to skip the first thing I put on there and uh, just say the, uh, the Tillman Ferretta thing. I, he was on CNBC today and it was, it was actually super interesting because he was talking about how 98% of the deaths that happened in Italy were deaths that would have happened either way. And they just kind of pinned it to the Corona. And I know that's been like a, thing that people have been saying a lot some people say it's a conspiracy but like that's been the first time you've had someone of that status at least from what i've heard come on cnbc and kind of like call this whole thing out in a way where there was like you know the data is completely off as far as what the public's reacting off of so i thought that was like super interesting yeah I'm no no shock at all we've been saying this now for a while like I, i've thought this from day one of this thing personally See, I feel yeah. bad saying that because Corey had it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, don't, I don't care, but the, the no, Corey had for two weeks. Yeah, Corey got sick as shit, which was obviously brutal in saying all of that. Corey, it was hard of winter, right? Not really. It was no, March. It was the spring. It was spring. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was the only thing. Corey getting that was the only thing that made me convinced that it wasn't actually fake, like fully. Yeah. No, me too. I hate to say it, but me too. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I've had some family friends that passed away, and uh, yeah, it was very real for me. But well, you Corey, know. your family friends that passed away were they already sick? They weren't sick. They were they were older, but you know, not not that not that old. They're our parents' age, but with no underlying conditions. No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been honestly. 
after like having it, I, I like what I had in my experience, I can't picture someone who's older going through what I had and actually surviving, like, especially mm-hmm. if they had an underlying issue. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, without a doubt, somewhat that clearly, I mean, obviously I'm glad I did not experience what you had, but there, yeah, there's Corey, <laughs> as soon as Corey starts talking about it again, it like starts to freak me out again about the coronavirus. <laughs> where I'm like, wait it, a minute. <laughs> I know. I was like, I kind of forgot about everything. And then Patrick Ewing just recently got it a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. It's very really good. good. Yeah. It's just hard. Is he like- He's back home, but it's hard to, when you look at how many healthy people died of this, that were young in the Northeast alone, under a hundred, hundred, not thousand, 100. Uh, so that to me, you know, it's it, no doubt. Of course, Corey was sick. Of it. It's a real virus. And there are, it's a very tragic how many people died from it. But when you look at how many people have already died from being sick or old, this thing was taken out of proportion, the way it was handled. No doubt about it. With this lockdown, it could have been handled way differently. As we saw with Sweden, with the herd immunity, it didn't logically make any sense. And that's why I think this was environmentally driven to lock everyone down. I think we were on the verge of a natural catastrophe that we weren't going to be able to repair. Now we're back to levels from 15 years ago with the greenhouse gases. So that that's the main part of me at this point is thinking this really was big for the environment on a whole nother level for us to avoid Florida being underwater in a few years. And, you know, we might've really set things back a couple decades from being locked down for three months. The only reason I don't think that's true at all is because if it was, Sweden would have been very, very happy to partake in that. They wouldn't have been like, no, yeah, like, not we're, not- we're not going to be told. Think of it this way, right? Being, how are you going to convince the world if we were like without panicking everyone on a whole nother level than no, 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 I don't know. I get but what I'm saying is if what you're saying is true, all and I'm it's, it's like a valid theory, but all not the different leaders of, I'm saying why what happened here. No, I know. But what I'm saying is if for that to be a true, the main world leaders would all have to be kind of in on it. And then you look at a place like Sweden, which is like a super progressive country, they would not have been like, no, we're going to try things our own way. Like that's a very virus like response. They would have been, if anything, one of the people leading that movement because they're Sweden. Like I look at them as a very, you know, green type of place. When you look at them with their environmental tactics and their view on everything and how they handle their country, they are not us or China for that matter. So they already are eco-friendly with how they approach things. Okay. I'll I'll take that as a counter argument. So you're saying- There's no doubt the fact when you look at it that way also, the fact that a country on its own didn't partake in something, that's a great rebuttal to the environment theory, without a doubt. There's just no doubt- there are many facts that are proving how great this was for, or, and is for the environment with the totally. seizing. So, you know, if we hadn't done that, there's no doubt we could have been on the brink of some stuff that we couldn't have come back from in the world. But couldn't have this, that this could have been done without losing a lot of people, even the older people that, you know, going to pass anyway. I feel like this could have been done that if that was their, intention this could have been done without a lot of people dying and sure, getting sick sure. by yeah. keeping the old people sick inside like sweden recommended in the first place like just if you're old and have underlying conditions stay out of harm's way right when but yeah are- 
And also, that Corey, that also kind of goes back to the original thing we were talking about, which is whether or not you buy into the theory that a lot of these older people who died had other things that were going on and their death certificates were associated with the coronavirus because that's just what's been happening. I don't know. I, actually, that is kind of... I, I do think that's been happening to an extent, but that's where when you talk about that, they would almost need that to happen to have people buy into that. If what Mike is saying is the case, I don't think there was like a behind the scenes concern with the environment, but I mean, I do think there is a huge concern with the environment behind the scenes, actually. Well, I just, I don't know big, if these are a big deal. Yeah, that's definitely the case. But. Yeah, no, it's, you're right. And that's definitely an interesting well, there was theory. no other way to, when you think about it, what other way could have come about with all these eco-friendly environment, environmentalists and scientists talking about global warming and all these things? What could have actually been done on the level that was just done for the environment to do anything? Nothing. Yeah, no, I agree that the shutdown is the only thing to make that work. And how do you get people to be shut down for so long? I, I think you have to pay them without, you know, just paying them without... Yeah getting people sick <laughs> that, that could have happened. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. But then, and then, you know, we could go down those rabbit holes whenever going over how this thing started and that's a whole different conversation, but it's interesting to think about what at least some positives that came from this one being, I also, I, I also think you guys are saying two different things here and I just want to point this out in case I'm wrong. Uh, so Corey, you're kind of implying that based on what you're saying, that in order for them to do what Mike was suggesting, which is shut everything down for the environment, that this disease would need to run widespread in order for people to get really sick, lose lives, and then be put into lockdown mode. I'm pretty sure what Mike's suggesting is the disease existed and it didn't necessarily present the data that warranted a shutdown. And in order for them to justify it, they had to mark a lot of these deaths as Corona deaths, when in reality, a lot of the deaths could have just been deaths that were happening either way. And uh, am I right? With I'm not saying uh, the whole, whatever they labeled as Corona or not, I'm not a doctor and I don't even know the whole financial situation and all that, but I, I'm more just highlighting that at the end of the day, like Corey's dead on, you can't get people to just be locked down in a democracy voluntarily without being paid or scared into it. And there's no doubt this virus was real. Corey had it and was sick as shit. People have died, uh, hundreds of thousands. In saying that, there is a, a there is a very good chance people that were young and active and didn't have underlying conditions could have been kept out and about. But possibly this was, hey, let's kill two birds with one stone here. There's this virus. The environment's a mess. This is a good culprit and red herring to distract people from being outside. Let's just roll with it. Not to take it one yes. to take to take it one step further, it could have just been something that like only the the medical scientists and doctors were in on and they decided that they were gonna like use this to convince the government to shut down knowing that that was the only way to like protect the environment and, and that's and when the whole conspiracies can go off the you know who knows like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know i yeah i no, I, I run wild with conspiracies or he had it the data was manipulated for some reason whatever that reason is who knows some good came of it though which is great some so good did come of it. Yeah. Um, I know we have Kerry coming on. Do you guys, you want to dive into before she gets on here, your thoughts on Jim Cramer's confession of a wall street addict. I mean, we all know. Right. Why don't we, why don't we just do that after? Cause she's literally going to be on in like 
two minutes at this point. We yeah, should just have you know Corey. I, I, I could do I could do food for thought real quick because I'll make it quick. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so this week on Food for Thought, I was just going over debunking a lot of food myths. I know a lot of people, you know, believe certain things about food that aren't necessarily true. So one, the juicing myth. Um, the myth is that juice is healthy because it comes from fruit, fruits and veggies. And yeah, as it, it is healthy, but it's way healthier to actually eat fruits and veggies without juicing it. A lot of these juices that you get from companies that are pre-bought, they put in extra sugar. And then when you actually drink a juice, you don't get the same amount of fiber as you do when you're eating it. And when you're eating a fruit and veggie, you're more likely to get full faster because of the fiber than when you drink it. So myth, juice is healthy and it is, but it's better to eat your fruits and veggies. I'm glad you said that, Corey, because I never, every time I've had juice, like juiced up like that, I don't even, it makes my stomach hurt. I prefer yeah. veggies and fruits whole. Agreed. Um, another myth, cutting carbs, this is a hot topic because everyone's trying to be keto, but cutting carbs um, is a healthy way to lose weight. Uh, that's just not true. And doctors actually suggest that cutting anything from your diet is unhealthy. The best way, any diet is pretty much a yo-yo diet. You're going to go back and forth. It's never going to last. You have to do something that works for you. So whether it's having a cheat day on Sunday and you know eating healthier Monday through Saturday, whatever you do, you have to just be consistent, and that's how you're going to lose weight. And otherwise, you'll just you know it's going to be an ongoing battle. Charging my computer here. I I completely agree with you, man, and that's why I've always been a proponent on intermittent fasting because it you know, a lot of it is really when you eat is such yeah. a part of it as much as what you eat. I think way more to be honest. I've seen with my body over here. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to eat and then go to sleep, especially, that's the worst thing you can possibly do. Um, oh, another one. So coffee is an unhealthy habit. That is untrue. Uh, coffee is actually healthy for you and good for your heart. And it, it actually um, helps with cholesterol. It's good for obviously anything in uh, moderation is better. But as long as you don't add, you know, your dairy, your sugars, your creamers, it's very healthy for you. So Love keep drinking coffee. Drinkers. Yeah. And the last thing also kind of has to do with juices, but these detox diets, like a juicing diet, I know Mike and I have tried this in the past. That is very unhealthy for you. Um, so it says detox diets and juice cleanses do more harm than good. Not only do cleanses not work. Uh, doctors say, but your body already has built-in systems to get rid of toxins, your kidney and your liver. So just let your body do it naturally. There's no reason to juice. Eat healthy. Get your fruits and veggies in. There's but, no um, shortcuts, folks. That's the bottom line. There's no shortcuts. And that's food for thought. Nice. Those work. are some good ones. We have um, right. the president and founder of Tumbalaya and Coconut Cloud, Kerry Carlson, joining us in a minute. Uh, Kerry's mission is to replace dairy with creamy coconut. So for anybody that have dairy issues out there, sensitive stomachs, I do myself. I've fought that for years. I just love dairy too much, but I definitely can't eat it. I, anytime I have a bowl of cereal, the next morning I'm hurting. For some reason, though, like ice cream and pizza, I'm able to deal with. But there she is, Kerry Carlton. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. So guys, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know Carrie, how did this interview with Carrie come about? Okay, so I am actually really good friends with her husband, Barry. 
Carrie and Barry. And uh, yeah, I, I know Barry through originally golf at Omni back in Colorado. And then we just grew to be good buddies and his wife, he's always told me many good things about and runs these two businesses and has just dealt with a lot of other obstacles throughout her life. And he, as soon as we started, started this podcast, he's been one of our listeners and he told me that she'd be a good addition. You have an awful yeah. coconut joke we could throw out there. <laughs> I don't, but I, I, I did have a cold brew with coconut milk today. So it's really? very fitting. Corey, what are your yeah. thoughts on coconut milk in the mm -hmm. coffee? Honestly, I really like it. I've had it the last two days. I switched from black to I tried almond milk. Not a big fan of almond milk anymore. And yeah, I'm doing, really like it. yeah, I'm doing the splash of coconut milk, and mm. I like it. it it's less heartburn because sometimes cold brew gives me heartburn. It's a lot and of acid. Superfood, or is that coconut oil? That's coconut oil. I remember Corey, you got me into that in coffee a while ago. Yeah, it's, it's like that bulletproof coffee. They say yeah. put butter in it. You could put coconut oil in it. I like that one. The Larenson special. Yeah, cinnamon, also another superfood. Yeah, I've been ever since Larenson got us on that horn years ago when we were in Denver. I remember you telling me that, that I, that's a go-to for me every morning. And it's an appetite suppressant. So yeah, exactly. Sweet to it. I was doing that before I moved down here. I got to get back into that because I make my own coffee and I have the cinnamon. There's really no excuses. I just got to sprinkle it on. Yeah, Charleston and cinnamon don't go hand in hand. No, 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 they do. I just haven't been remembering to do it. I'm well, going to start doing it. You guys want to start diving into Jim Cramer's book until we get Carrie on here? I mean, I feel like she's like basically on. I just like, well, I keep. Oh, there we go. Carrie. No, I keep, no, no, no. I keep adding her and then removing her, trying to see if anything changes on her end. Because when she's in, it's just kind of staticky. Well, we're saying um, we could always just do a one-off with her interview, like a one-on-one -on -one type of thing. And I, I mean, yeah, I feel like she's going to figure it out, though. But in terms of uh, the Jim Cramer, I just wanted to highlight, like, reading that book, I was just – it's just so cool seeing, like, the level of energy. Because I, I have that level of energy, as you guys know. Like, I'm, I don't sleep much. I just – like, for a while, I was like, what's wrong with me? over the years. And then I, I come across people like this. I'm like, okay, good. So this is just a, a type of person. And I think that goes hand in hand with entrepreneurship. And it does. Right. And being able to build anything. Corey, I remember you talked to me about that with at your brother's wedding, like about Jay and me. You're like, yeah. Dude, you're so intense, but you need that. Yeah. I, it seems like every book we read actually somewhat reminds me of you a little bit, Mike. And it really is just <laughs> a true entrepreneur. Like you have these qualities that these people who are extremely successful have. And obviously we all have great qualities, but you definitely have a lot of that. And so, you know, some of it's just passion and drive this. Like a lot of the Jim Cramer definitely reminded me of you. Dude, I really, I want to sit down with him because even the whole thing with like, the, his daughter getting sick, he's making trades. Like, I'm thinking of myself, if I ever have kids down the road, I'm that dude. Where it's like, oh, honey, you know the deal here. Like, are you kidding me? Like, give me like 10 minutes. And I, you know, and, uh, I don't think I would ever actually do that, but I find it awesome how even his wife, you could tell, got it. It's crazy how his wife well, actually I was. Ex-wife now. He's got a second wife. I think that ended yeah. up not I think I think that fell apart for the exact reason of what you guys are talking about yeah. between the lines in that book. But, but yeah, man, she was I mean, bad. She seemed like a beast though. 
that woman. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was the crazy part. She was, she knew her shit. Like she was like running the show and she was just such a badass. I loved it. I mean, Jim Cramer's wife was basically responsible for his fame because a lot of his fame came from predicting the 1987 crash and yeah, his wife nailed she, it to a T. Yeah, well, yeah she called the was very honest in the book. Where I, I have a problem with a lot of the authors we've had where there's been sugar coating throughout it and you can tell that they haven't been very transparent. He was very upfront even about calling out that. And, you know, it almost just seemed like Jim Cramer is too honest for his own times. That's kind of the vibe I got from that book. Honestly, out of like all the autobiographies we read, that was, or Hmm. even in the past in general, that was my favorite autobiography. It just like, it felt authentic and transparent and natural. Um, And even if you're not into stocks, you would really like this book for anyone. And it was cool to see how it was so close to disaster. Like we've seen with everyone great that's built anything, like where he was so close to being fucked. Uh-huh. You know, I Guys, no way, real, real, real quick. She emailed me saying having technical difficulties, having technical difficulties, can't get any sound of any kind. You guys have any recommendations of what I could say? Does she have headphones in or Bluetooth? I think, yeah, she I think so. Do you have Bluetooth? By the way, Dave Becker loved the video with Bob this morning. So Corey, we started doing this morning mashup with Bob of the stocks. Yeah, I was, I was checking it out earlier. What do you think? I love it. It's sick. It's a lot of good information. Obviously, Dude, you Bob know, really knows this shit. Another thing to add to the arsenal for us, you know, just getting, yeah. getting out there. It's also a good time, as we are going over before. Everything Barstool does is kind of hot. And with Dave doing day trading, it's like everyone's following it now, including <laughs> your dad. So I think this is just a good time to jump into it. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, when you look at things like Robin Hood, you know, like the young generation getting into the stock market world. And as entertaining as Dave is, he doesn't provide any real value. Not that Bob and us will, but I think, like, we'll kind of have a completely different angle. We're not, like, necessarily trying to be funny. I will say, back to the Jim Cramer thing. First off, I love that guy. But, and I'm sure he'll be the first one to admit, he is wrong all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. I got to learn my lesson with him because I constantly like am listening to things he says and then we'll make these massive bets on something he says. And sometimes they hit most of the times they don't like I lost a ton of money on take two today and I blame that motherfucker because of it. (laughs) Are you noticing a pattern of like, I remember you saying to me like his in the mornings, he's way more on point than afternoons. Well, no here. here, So here's what, here's my new thing. And this is something that I just got on yesterday. I joined his action, like his charity trust, which Jim Cramer pull the trigger on that until you actually give me some, yeah. Well, I, I could just, I could just send you everything, and basically, so what's on there? And this is the thing I found the most interesting about it is so Kramer is uh, he's got his own charity trust fund because he's not allowed to actually invest in the market. I, you guys heard that in the book, like so he doesn't have any of that going on. So he's got about two point eight million in the fund. And you're able to see his exact breakdown of what he has. And the thing that I found the most interesting is some of the stocks that he is beyond bullish about on TV all the freaking time he does not have in that fund. And a few that stuck out were Chewy, Peloton, Beyond Meat, and Shopify. Those are four companies that guy is 
constantly raving about and none of them were in his fund. So I thought that was interesting, but no, what's cool about it is he'll send out and he's got like a team. They're sending out multiple updates about the market throughout the day, mm. highlighting like when they're adding to positions, when they're deducting positions. But again, like it just goes to show. And I've been realizing this more and more lately because there's certain guys I listen to a lot and then like start to follow the things that they're doing and see how it pans out. No one, and this is where Leon and Bob are like-minded. No one has any damn clue what's going to happen in the market ever. And these top-notch guys are always referring to these charts and these resistant levels. And I can't tell you how often they are just completely wrong. And then, so this is something that I found interesting. So Jim Cramer, and I love the Mad Money Show, mainly the first 10 minutes, because that's when he like gives his real breakdown of the day before he dives into all the calls. But he'll randomly bring on this technician Bob Lang guy, and not even the actual guy, but he'll refer to the Bob Lang charts. And Bob Lang is one of the contributors to his street, like the thing that you also get access to when you sign up for his charity trend. And Bob Lang will put out these, you know, a few things a week where he'll make these predictions and he will make which stocks he thinks you should short for the week. And I've, and obviously it's been tough because this last month's been a pretty damn hot market and no one really expected that. But I looked back over the last month at all his different weeks shorts, all of them dead wrong. (laughs) But here's the thing. But, but here, but here's the beauty of it. And this is what they don't do on TV that they do in this. And what I find very helpful is when they do suggest positions based on charts, they tell you the exact level that if the chart doesn't hit, you bail on. Mm. So they're basically, and this is what dad's always good at too. He's like, yeah, based on the chart, there's support here and here. But if at any point it gets below here, all bets are off the table. Gotcha. And they never really break that down on TV. They're just like, oh, based on Bob Lang's charts, Raytheon can go to 82 really in a straight line when you think about it. Cause like a novel investor that's just jumping on watching something where it's like, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm telling you the, the amount of information you get by like paying a little bit and then seeing behind the scenes, the additional information that they say, where it's like Kramer loves Nvidia, but not until it sells off about 10%. You know what I mean? But like that, that on air. He'd be like, Oh, yeah. Nvidia, Nvidia is starting to look good. Exactly. He's like, oh, I like NVIDIA to go through 400. And the reality is he does, but that doesn't mean before it goes through 400, it's not going to drop to 330. You know what I mean? And that's where like on TV, it's all just, oh, I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't like that. Behind the scenes, he's breaking things down. But even when he's breaking things down, I think dad's way better than him at just like the way he breaks things down. Well, I think that goes to show though, right? I'm sorry, Corey, go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I enjoy like the actual interviews he does with the CEOs. Sometimes that's where, you know, for me, I'm a novice investor and I don't know much, but when I see someone I like and what they're about, that's when I'll invest in someone. And he had the trade desk on like a year ago and I thought the guy was a genius and I invested in them. I didn't have a ton of money at the time, but um, it was like $177 and now it's over 300. So I, I like to like just gain insight when he invests or when he interviews people and you can kind of, you know, get some insight from that. So guys on that note, I think it's dinner time. Did you want to touch on anything else with Jim Cramer? I mean, I just, I got all, yeah. go ahead, Corey. Go for it. I was going to say one of my favorite story from the book was when uh, he just found out that the story got published that he wrote about the four stocks and you know he found out that he might get in a lot of trouble so he starts drinking the the 
uh, Johnny Walker black, and then he polishes off the bottle, and then he's just like projectile throwing up the entire night. Oh. That, that cracked me up. It was like the wife knew that he was kind of like drinking and getting after it, and she had this whole surprise going. I feel like she should have been like, hey, man, like slow down. <laughs> like, right? He got yeah. hammered, and uh, I enjoyed yeah, so. that. But um, I also like really just enjoyed um, – he said like, you know, do whatever it takes to get ahead in business. Like literally – you have to be so devoted to whatever you're doing to get ahead, especially in hedge funds. But, um, you know, you also have to realize that you do have a life and you're not going to have one if you're that devoted. So got to find a balance, but he just didn't have it. And he eventually ended up, you know, choosing his family, obviously got divorced later on, but yeah. <laughs> the irony that he chose his family, but did he? And I, no, I mean, out of that, his work, he shows success over everything is really when you look at I mean, like the way I mean, he was, yeah, I think it even goes one step further than uh success. The guy, and this is why I love Kramer, he's just obsessed with the stock market. And even like right now, the guy is worth over $40 million. And even still throughout this pandemic, when he has a day off and something funny is happening in the market, somehow he's making his way on CNBC. Like he just can't stay away from the market, even though he's not even allowed to invest in the market. The guy is so obsessed in the stock market and it's so natural. And I think that's what's so cool about it is you got this guy who doesn't need to work at all that still is waking up at 3 a.m. to figure out what's going to happen in the market so he can update his viewers when in reality he's got no dog in the fight. And that's like what's so cool about it. It's also what's what I really liked about this book and what you continue to hear from if you read other books about people who have crushed it in the market, there's no special science making a lot of money in the market. The thing that these experts do that other people don't is they actually take the time to like read and analyze the companies that they're investing in. And when you, when a company puts out their reports once a quarter on how they're doing, what their financials look like, what their fundamentals look like, most people just don't, look at them and they wait for the few who look at them to then make an opinion that everyone else listens to. And where Kramer always had a one up on everybody else is he would just take the time to actually do the research. And that's where I think the stock market's not as complicated as the suits, as everyone likes to say, makes it seem. It's more just like if you do your research and something seems appealing, most likely it's going to transition into the stock going up. And when, when he breaks it down like that, it makes it where it's a game that anybody could play and win if you're willing to actually take the time to just read. It's work. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, there's, it's like doing your homework, right? It's like get it done, go get a good grade. I was say, that's exactly. where it seems like the law school really helped him, even though he hated it and didn't really do much. He did his research. For and, sure, Corey. You're dead on. Yeah. Hate him who he is. That law school background separates him from the pack. Yeah, and then the exact quote I was, I was thinking of, is he, he was saying how, you know, you really have to uh, sacrifice everything you have, but you have to have an exit plan. And if you don't have an exit plan, you'll miss out on your life. So that's what he's kind of getting at. And that's when he chose to, to leave the game and obviously whatever happened yeah, after. But like, even when you go over that and Dan said that you have the dog in the fight, I think his whole thing is the fight. I don't think he even wants an exit plan at this point, right? Like what he's I mean, obsessed with the market. What's his actual, like, he's already 
paid enough to be retired. What's a guy well, like here, exit he, he already took his exit plan. Now he already exited and, you know, he's coming back. He obviously can't get enough. He's just well, that, that kind of guy. When is enough enough, right? With any type of tenacity like that. When you're a, a, in that mode to begin with, wired like that, when is when do you become satisfied? Yeah, it's kind of like Mike Francesa. It's like the guy has enough money to be paid forever and he just keeps coming back to radio. Because it's, yeah, the money means nothing at some point. He just, he it's just it. a passion. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting seeing that. It's fascinating when you see someone reach that pinnacle and then it's like as though there was never a pinnacle to begin with. And there's yeah. got to be something kind of nice about being able to analyze markets, comment on markets, be so compensated where you don't need to invest and you're actually okay with that and then get to sit back and watch all the craziness which one thing that you could we could all agree on is there's no doubt like as time goes on the craziness in the market happens more and more it used to be you know once a decade there'd be something drastic now it seems like every few months there's like these ridiculous moves one way or another and What's up? That's all. It makes way more money making opportunities. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's it's also cool for that guy who doesn't need any more money. And obviously he's invested in other ways because he can in the market to be able to like, you, all these guys on TV, you could tell they like almost get frustrated when the market's running too hot. And when it's finally crashing, they're like, fuck yeah. We get to sit and watch things burn because we're not allowed to be invested. And now we could just like make comments on it all day. Yeah, you yeah know? He's, he's, like a, he's like a weatherman. He just right. Exactly. Say what he wants and see he what happens. Can, literally. No ramifications he, if it rains or snows. It doesn't matter. Corey, Jim Cramer actually is the ultimate weatherman because, like, yeah. he'll say one thing about a stock, and an hour later, he's saying the complete opposite, and that's what yeah. weathermen do. We're going into a depression six weeks ago, and now it's you know the exact opposite with that guy. Yeah, financial weatherman. I'll never forget that. Like when things were really in the fan, he was like, "This this is looking like we could be heading for a great depression." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, definitely, there was definitely a period where no one knew what the hell was going on. Well, and that was when I think a lot of people like myself were hoping that someone like Jim Cramer would come on in the morning and be like, hey, guys, now is the time to like buy some spot stocks. Don't panic. But they'd just be sitting there watching the ticker and every 15 minutes trading with Hall. And they'd be like, oh, man, trading Hall. No doubt about it. Everyone has no clue if the world's ending. That's when you're yeah. in the fire, which is exactly said than done every single time. <laughs> That's also, yeah, I, I also thought it was interesting when he kind of like realized his, his realization about starting before he started the street. He was like, he realized during that time when he was getting accused by Dow Jones with the article and the four stocks, he like was turned to his hedge fund into like a war zone trying to go back and see all the stocks he's made. And he realized that everything needs to be on the web. And I thought that was an, you know, just an interesting realization early on. And he's kind of just ahead of the game, obviously with the stock market crash, which his wife at the time helped predict. But I also thought that was a huge thing. And he then obviously led to the tree. didn't even believe in the internet at first. He was shorting Amazon in the early yeah. days. Yeah. So that was kind of just... Yeah, exactly. being able to shift your thinking on that too, where it's like I'm so against something, but then realizing you're wrong and then capitalizing on that mistake on another level. That was cool. yeah. that takes a that, lot of stomach. 
And I think that's why a lot of people don't necessarily listen to Warren Buffett as much as they used to, is he missed out on the entire technology wave. Just yeah. like he's missed out on Bitcoin because he'll be dead for one, but for two, he was way and, off. And I also think he's way off on travel and, and all tourism. Right. Like there's no way that doesn't come back. Right. He literally, he got out. He should not have gotten out of Delta. I really, I don't actually understand his thinking there. Should have bought way more. Well, also, look, we don't know what that guy knows behind the scenes. When you own the amount of shares that he owns, you are aware of data points that the rest of the world just isn't. And, you know, yeah, like uh, at the end of the day, I mean, he literally shifted the market. He literally got out of airlines off the notion of him being told he shouldn't be flying anytime soon. He's 90. Yeah, that's. I, I think there was a lot of, you know, you look at like the relationship he has with Bill Gates, who's somewhat of an alarmist and, you know, reason for him. Yeah. But that's where like, you got to think Warren Buffett was probably listening to him a lot on everything going on. Yeah, that's where and, I kind of lost some respect for Warren Buffett the last few years. I think he's lost his touch on God and gone more off hearsay than ever before. I don't think nothing used to be like this. I saw they, uh, I, I follow this thing. It's a website like subscription called guru focus. And you could like follow like what all the top hedge funds and guru investors are doing in real time. So like you could see like what their portfolios are. And like a few weeks ago, Bill Gates's fund sold a bunch of Berkshire stock and like bought a bunch of modern day companies like Twitter. And it was just interesting. It's like, oh man, you're like, you're dishing off your, your fellow gangster Buffett's company stock. Yeah, he he must've had a talk with Warren and realized I don't align with anything you're saying. He talked to him and realized <laughs> yeah. it makes no sense anymore. Seriously. Well guys, this has been great. Uh, we'll get, we'll make sure to get carry on the horn. Uh, I think, yeah, I was just texting Barry and he said, he's going to like get her all dialed in for it tomorrow. So we can just plug her in. Yeah. Make sure to put some coconut creamer in that coffee tomorrow morning. Seriously. Me too. Well, make sure to subscribe to us please on YouTube. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you for everybody listening. Bootstrapped in the trenches. We will catch you next week. Strapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get low down, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.